whatever preference they have. They want to use Jupyter. They want to be using VS Code. They want to be using Veeam even, right? Let them do it, right? You know, there are legitimate things that you want to pay for, right? Like you're going to land your plane. Like you want to take your TensorFlow model, your PyTorch model and like put it into a device. Like my personal vision is that you know, just like in uh, Iron Man, it's probably 10 years old now, um, Jarvis, mm. this uh, uh, artificial intelligence yeah. that was helping uh, engineers develop system, that is definitely what I would envision. This podcast is sponsored by MathWorks. From the cars and phones we use every day to cutting-edge scientific breakthroughs, engineers use MATLAB and Simulink to build the next generation of AI-driven systems. Learn more at mathworks.com. Cool. Dan? Ladies and gentlemen, let's kick off the podcast. Jan and Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so Hello. much for I having think... us. Sure. It's really going to be an exciting podcast. We have a lot to talk about, primarily about Python versus MATLAB, like the everlasting battle. Everyone mm -hmm. talks about it. Um, a little bit about machine learning, chat GPT for MATLAB, but also some other topics and cover some questions at the end from the audience. Let's say the MathWorks or MATLAB fans. Um, but maybe to uh, introduce each maybe Heather or Jan to the, to the audience. Heather, maybe if you want to give it a go, what are you doing at MathWorks and what's your profession? What's your background? Sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Um, a lot of my background involves both MATLAB and Python and well, C++ and Java assorted things uh, because I was a physicist. And then um, during my PhD, my dissertation, I did um, you know uh, machine learning for uh, detecting different fluid concentrations. I won't get into it. Um, but <laughs> so that combination of physics and machine learning, of course, I use C++, MATLAB, Python, and was recruited to MathWorks because of that reason. One of my papers had, um, you know, cited a MATLAB documentation example. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's basically what I do now is help people um, integrate these things into real systems and, um, you know, a, again, kind of dabbling in many languages. My primary language is MATLAB, but I do a bit of everything else because we integrate so often with, you know, different languages in these systems. So again, thank you. Cool. Nice to have you. Jan? Thank you, Youssef. Um, I'm very glad to be here with you and Heather for this podcast. I think we've known each other for a couple of years now. <clears throat> so um, a bit about my story. Um, I joined the MATLAB team about two and a half years ago, like uh, beginning of pandemics, 2020. Um, and before that, um, I was actually um, more of an open source champion, I would say, uh, working on a project called Scilab. Um, it's been a while, like I think I started almost 10 years ago um, with this, just right after my studies. And um, <clears throat> well, I've known a lot about you know this open source ecosystem, um, uh, and, and, um, well, you know, I kind of opened myself up to the idea that maybe, you know, I could be working with the big, big boys, the big guys at MathWorks and, and, and then, you know, they were so nice. So I decided, yeah, you know what, actually, let me join the dark side as I say. And, 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 and it's in actually, fact, it's wonderful yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, they're clearly we're hiring for mm -hmm. someone to help us uh, get into the dark side as well, because you know uh, Jan's position is like le legitimately to integrate with open source, and we even have you know developers and teams that like specifically work on open source in MATLAB and MathWorks. So it's kind of I feel like Jan's like the perfect example of you know hey, there's this guy that like invented all this amazing stuff and like knows so much about open source, like let's bring them on into MathWorks and like help us learn more and help us, you know, do more open source stuff. So yeah, it's great. We work together a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it's, pretty cool. it's great. It's pretty cool. I like how off camera you're like, uh, like perf the perfect colleagues, always joking. Uh, it's pretty cool <laughs> to see you like oh, talking off camera. Um, maybe to kick things off, let's maybe jump straight into the nitty gritty. So Python versus MATLAB, the, the battle that everyone wants to talk about. Uh, the first argument that always comes, of course, even for students when I first started using MATLAB is, well, um, Python is open source and MATLAB isn't because it's cost so much money. What is your argument against that? Maybe Heather, if yeah. you want to 
Sure. And so for me, like I, I um, mentioned before, like I'm, I'm an open source super fan, like my entire until I started this job, my entire life was like Linux and, you know, like never paying for anything. And like even like paying the five dollars at the university for MATLAB because I was like teaching it. I was like, oh, so annoying. Oh, my God. Uh, but you know, I guess as I, you know, kind of got into more of the landscape of how people are using these things, it's not just for research. It's not just for, you know, playing around and trying things in the lab. You know, there are legitimate things that you want to pay for, right? Like you're going to land your plane. Like you want to take your TensorFlow model, your PyTorch model and like put it into a device. Like Oh God, like how much, how much time am, <laughs> and money am I worth right now? And how much do I want to actually pay? And so like, I, I think those are the things that like, I really valued, um, you know, again, I, I started, um, MathWorks as like the open source super fan. I was just like, uh, that's me, but it's open enough for me. And it's like, you know, again, most of the time you can get it pretty cheap or free and, you know, for the those things that you literally need, like expert development for, like you're you're definitely gonna pay for. So anyway, that's that's my um, thoughts. Uh, Jan, what do you think? So yeah, I think this conversation is always an interesting one. There's I often see a bit of a confusion between the open source and free aspect uh, because that covers many different things and. I'm a big fan of open source, but like, there's what does openness mean? Exactly. So, right. I, you know, open source licenses, there are different types of those. I won't go in detail about it, but uh, I think what it fosters is uh, the collaboration, um, the community. And that's one of the big reasons why I'm a, I'm a fan of open source. Now, I'm also really, really aware of uh, the difficulties that comes with it coming from my background is uh, um, just the sustainability. And uh, so we run a business, but I don't think, you know, it's not, <laughs> not a secret. And um, as, as I was saying, uh, you know, to support automotive, aeronautics, all of those very large industries, then uh, it's just a matter of sustainability. How do we uh, make it so that, uh, you know, <clears throat> the access for as many engineers as possible is also compatible with a certain level of quality that we can build into our product. So that's for me kind of like, it's, of course, it's kind of a tension, right? But uh, I think uh, we are finding nice ways to make it as accessible as possible. I think in many cases, you'd be surprised how cheap MATLAB is. Um, I think you wrote an article about it, Youssef. <laughs> Especially, yeah, exactly. So. The deployment aspects. It's kind of, you know, I, I've gone to conferences before where people are paying like millions and millions of dollars to like set up all these sensors and all these systems. And they're like, Oh, production server, like MATLAB, like, oh my gosh, that's going to be so expensive. I'm like, no, <laughs> like that is like pennies compared to what you're doing. And the fact that there's security, there's things that you are literally willing to pay for, and you can wrap up all the Python, you know, C, Java, R, what, whatever else you need, you know, it's, it's really valuable in that sense. I'm, I'm thinking you mentioned one interesting point has I especially knowledge. I think what a lot of people don't talk about is when you buy a license or let's say you're a corporation or you have maybe a startup and you're buying a license, you're also buying the expertise of MathWorks, which I think is something a lot of people don't talk about. So whatever, I don't know, system you're working on, you always have an expert who you can contact. Absolutely. I and like, I, I take it for granted because I work here, right? So I could literally walk down the hall or like ping Gan on Teams or whatever. Um, but literally pretty much anyone else can too. Uh, you know, there are amazing. And uh, one of the wonderful things is that uh, that's part of the way that we train people. So, you know, we um, hire people that have master's, bachelor, you know, PhDs and mechanical engineering, electrical, you know, a lot of the fields that folks are in, including computer science and of course the typical software engineering skills. But, you know, we hire folks and, you know, they, they sort of learn by answering these kind of questions. And I'm, I'm on a lot of development um, mailing lists. I, I don't know about you, uh, Jan, I know you're on a few, but I'm on the, like, the stats team, for example, on the deep learning team. And, 
you know, people will ask like, it's not just like, oh, I'm having trouble with some install or some error. Like they're literally asking like mathematical questions about, you know, uh, one thing versus the other and like which thing is more mathematically sound. Uh, similar questions to what we saw. I saw a question on Twitter about precision that we can talk about later, you know, and, and these are things that people think about a lot. Um, so anyway, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I, I'm talking so much. Uh, Jan, you, you go ahead. It's all good. We have all the time. <laughs> Don't worry, Heather. Yeah, I think if I can give some of my perspectives, pers uh, perception, perceptive uh, <clears throat> point of view, uh, joining my folks uh, fairly recently compared to you as a, I think I was very, you know, uh, surprised, ple pleasantly surprised by the level of expertise uh, of the engineers working at MathWorks. And sometimes I would think about it as maybe one of the best kept secret of MATLAB is MathWorks. So the people think about a, a company, they think it's called MATLAB notes. <laughs> We make the math work, um, so we're just math. <laughs> <It's> true, <laughs> and um, and great. you know, there's there are people behind the software. That's also why I think it's nice for us to come and now come out and and talk to you and you know share some of the perspective of well those people from you know their background. They're like Ezra. She she was a um, more in research, and so we have lots of deep knowledge in many many fields of engineering, and that is something that. I think when discussing open source, um, it's primarily about technology, but you know, technology is about people. So it is about the people that make this technology. And, and well, I have to say, I, I've been really happy to, to meet with all of those people at my first. Yeah. Do you, would you call it maybe democratization of knowledge slash engineering tools? Because at the end of the day, an engineer has to use the tool, right? He's the domain expert. He has to deal with all the data. So. It's kind of a bit of a tricky thing if you're in a company and you have to go to the data scientist, ask him, hey, can you build me this thing with Python and build a data analysis, I don't know, Jupyter Notebook. Um, so how do you see that person in terms of democratization of knowledge and tools? I, I think that's such an important question. Thank you for asking, because that's such that's pretty much what Jan and I work on all the time is exactly this, where, you know, there's such a body of knowledge. I mean, there have been 45 years of mathematics and engineering and scientific experts like contributing to MATLAB, right? Like um, file exchange existed before GitHub, right? Like there were, there was this notion of sharing knowledge uh, long, long ago. People use this in courses, they provide their code and everything. And every day it actually gets easier and easier to have these things be able to run easily without having you know, access to crazy hardware or weird licenses or whatever, like lots of money, you know, people can access this in so many ways is something we've been really working on. Um, so I, I think also, uh, you know, as of 2014, we were um, integrating with Python. So of course, this, we've been integrating with C since know, day one, probably, um, and Java for a long time. So I, I think this is also something people kind of think that like MATLAB or Python, we're like, nah, yeah, whatever. We ship Python. If, if you download MATLAB, there's Python in there. Like we, we've been doing that for a long time, you know? So, so I think there's just an awareness in the community that you use whatever tools are appropriate for the job. Um, yeah. And what do you, what do you think? You have a so, lot more experience in open source. To compliment, to compliment on what you just said about the integration with Python, I, I think there's a technology aspect to it, but there's also the, uh, uh, again, human aspect to it. So the use case you gave, Yusuf, is a really, really relevant one. Uh, the, a company where you know you'd have an engineer that is working maybe on like an engine design or like battery state of charge stuff like that, and then he would go to um, his colleague, a data scientist that maybe in another department, um, and they need to work together. So that is definitely what I encounter the, like on a daily basis. Even the next and, step, go to the hardware engineer that needs exactly. to deploy. Right. Like so there's so many different people. There are many different people revolving around those engineered systems, like a car. Uh, cars are now pretty evolved systems. Lawyers. And, Lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, so, you know, you need to accommodate and figure out a way to grow uh, the expertise, taking people from where they are. Right. So democratizing aspects of, of you know, bringing us um, access to knowledge is something that I'm very sensitive to. Maybe that's also my French, you know, in heritage is the democratization is something that 
resonate very strongly with me. Uh, and I think that is in our mission. Um, and, and, you know, if it takes integrating with other languages, then, then be it, right? Like it's just part of the mission. Absolutely. And I think that's also uh, one of the things that we really focus on thinking about, like, uh, yeah, and like our unit testing frameworks, you know, you could write a script, like this is the only literal language that you can write a script that you just copy and pasted your like function call, throw it in a script, send it off to somebody and they can put it in a suite and everything's fine. So it really kind of um, takes the pressure off of that you know, expertise. And of course, if you have the expertise, you can do whatever you need and in whatever language you want. So I think it's just such a great um, community, like awareness now that there is this need for democratization of things and awareness and transparency. Yeah, I think also <clears throat> a lot of people talk about always MATLAB versus like if it's, um, I don't know, Python, Julia, like what is your strong counter argument against like, or maybe you give us use cases where you have seen Python and MATLAB working together, solving a specific use case. It would be interesting. Sure. Do you want? I, Who wants to go? Yeah, I, I have uh, quite Heather? a few. Uh, Jan, do you want to talk to anything first? Um, so a few examples where I've seen uh, collaboration. So there are different ones. So um, I see different types of persona and kind of situation in which this occurs. So there's like research, uh, there's uh, engineering, and then there are more specific ones dedicated in, in AI, like trying to develop AI uh, systems, uh, not just the algorithm, but the whole system. And so maybe as I would be able to speak more to, to the to last one and um, to kind of give a summary on each of those. So like the researcher, I think now um, in certain field of engineering and science, there's a need for kind of a, you know, multilingual way of having people coming from, you know, wherever, whatever preference they have. They want to use Jupyter. They want to be using VS Code. They want to be using Veeam even, right? Let them do it, right? That's, uh, so that's, I, I don't think it's focusing on the right thing to just speaking about tools. I think it is about, in this case, um, accelerating the access to uh, knowledge, the sharing of knowledge. And in research, it's, it's quite important. And then, you know, like you have then engineering where it's, as we would just mentioned, democratization and, and AI, maybe as you want to be saying a little more about those particular cases yeah. in AI where there's definitely a need for oh, wow. those things to work together. Exactly. Because especially a lot of the MATLAB Simulink users are doing things like, you know, stopping cars and landing planes with AI, right? Like not just like, oh, is it a cat or a dog? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, did I get the wrong movie recommendation? It's like, so what, you know, but in this case, so what is like really important? Like the braking system didn't kick in because your AI system was wrong. You know, so that that's, um, again, a lot of MATLAB and Simulink users are faced with this and also have those regulatory requirements. Like when you're literally putting this into production, like lawyers are involved and regulatory bodies are involved and they, they don't even like F equals MA. I, I feel like they're not gonna like all these crazy layers that they don't understand. So, you know, we're really, you know, thinking the whole community, in fact, is just thinking about how to now bring this AI world, you know, into those sort of skeptical, you know, scientists, engineers that know enough that they can, you know, figure this out and they can educate others and make sure those regulatory bodies, the lawyers, the users even know what's going on. You know, it's really important to keep everybody informed. And so that, that's a lot of the um, sort of work that we're doing. And again, regardless of what language you're using at any of those different phases in the process, the important thing is that we're trying to communicate it and, you know, bring it to anyone. Uh, so we see a lot of people using MATLAB, like even, um, I, I joked with Jan earlier, uh, this week about, uh, folks that are using MATLAB production server to run their Python tests, uh, because it's way easier to just hit a couple of buttons for a production server, just add all their Python code. And they just like, doo -doo 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 -doo, 
done, hand it yeah. over to IT. <laughs> definitely a use case that I didn't cover when I was mentioning the different ones that we encounter. This relationship with IT, this deployment is, is not trivial, right? Like it takes a significant amount of knowledge to know how to handle Docker containers, stuff like that. So it's like you right. cannot expect that from a domain yeah. expert. You shouldn't expect that from a domain expert. They should focus exactly. on their engineering stuff. And that's another thing that I wanted to just quickly point out is that, you know, whenever we're talking about hardware, I know, I guess if a lot of your listeners are probably more like a lot of uh, hardware folks might be listening in. And, you know, as you know, there's a big difference between having all the resources available to you on like Amazon cloud forever, all the GPUs, like, let me run this model in like 20 seconds, except that like, you know, you have hardware, it has like, a couple megs of memory and you're bringing in this amount of data at a time and things are just different so that, that's one of the things that i really value matlab for you know again using both of them for ai you know i can take a python model you know fool around with it do some parameter sweeps and things like that bring it into matlab and then prepare it for that hardware case where i'm you know who knows what precision I'm going to need, you know, I, I can use the tools that we have available to, you know, get that code in shape and get that model in shape for the next phase. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. Talking about AI, I feel, I don't want to say me, but over the last years when I've checked Reddit or um, other communities, sometimes, especially students, they think of MATLAB for AI as kind of like a joke because they don't see the capabilities in it. How do you personally um, see that? Because I mean, well, Python okay makes sense. PyTorch, TensorFlow, and all these other frameworks that exist. How do we, how does an engineer, for example, take MATLAB and use it for his AI purposes? Let's say. Yeah. How does the workflow look like? I have many opinions. Jan, do you want to go first? Because I'll talk forever. <laughs> so I think a bit of a definition is always interesting to kind of precise what we speak about when saying AI. Uh, there have been many waves of AI and it depends what you want to talk about. If you want to speak about the latest and greatest and shiniest, now it's actually not Python anymore. It's, it's ChatGPT. So, you know, like it's moving so fast, but, uh, but you have also so many other techniques like you used to have computer vision and we have a very good support of computer vision. Honestly, like that's really good. Uh, you had machine learning and I mean, our approach to machine learning, um, just like regression, classification, basic stuff is really good. It's like really competitive to what even scikit-learn uh, provide in Python. So, statisticians like work on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, if I had to, to choose it for, like I took courses on, on scikit-learn and I quite like it. It's a beautiful design and all. Uh, it's French. I mean, it's coming from Inria. That's also came out of my heritage. Trishik. And, uh, oh, la la. La. But, um, but I really like the, um, the apps that we provide because I, I mean, I'm not going to remember everything about every detail of a, uh, yeah. a classification, uh, regression tree, whatever like that. I, I, I cannot focus on that. So I like the apps that we have, the classification learners, regression learner, just click, 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 poof, trains a bunch and of models. I don't need to know. And then there's just, just just enough information for you to know, right? Like, you know, so one of the things I kind of value, again, we have those mathematicians and statisticians that think about this all the time and argue all the time. Trust me, I could talk for hours about crazy arguments. Um, but, you know, we have these things where it's like it grays out the models that are not appropriate for your data. You know, if you have categoricals and the model doesn't work with that, well, that's just not even an option. You know, so it kind of I, I feel like it really helps guide through. And, you know, people talk about like black box or like opaque box, you know, models. That is not OK for like MATLAB people. Right. They, they like mm. they're scientists, they're engineers, they're mathematicians, they're IT people like they they need to know something. Right. So we, we kind of give them enough information as they're going along visualizations, you know, um, you know, ways to tweak the model and understand it that focus on interpretability, explainability, you know, because again, it's not just like, oh yeah, sorry, you got the wrong movie. It's like, sorry, yeah. you crashed the plane. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and it would have been my next question. Very, very, very interesting. So explainability and interpretability. So what options do engineers, for example, have? Because, well, as we all know, all models are wrong, but some are useful. So how does an engineer, because one thing maybe, from from my, what I really like about MATLAB or the, the graphical user interface is its simplicity. 
So sometimes I have tools, and remember from my studies, you have like millions of buttons, and then you're like, okay, what am I even clicking in the first place? So how does MATLAB approach this, especially from an implementation perspective? The simplicity, but also tackling very challenging intractable physical problems at the same time. Yeah, and that's a great question. And I'll, um, I'll just kind of speak to it first with that, uh, you know, Jan mentioned the apps, like that's exactly the focus where, you know, we assume, you, you know, people have some general knowledge about math, general knowledge about their problem, you know, and give as many visualizations, as much information as you possibly can. You know, here's the data split. Here's what's happening. You know, you get to choose um, or at least it tells you if you use the defaults, you know, what the, um, you know, K-fold loss, you know, those those kind of parameters. It gives you all of this information. Um, and then, you know, again, you can kind of dig a little bit deeper as you go. So as, a, as opposed to sort of the world where, you know, of course, I've been in all of these worlds, but, you know, I, I just search around and find the best PyTorch model for blah, blah, blah. I copy paste the layers and da, 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 da. you know, if I would bring that into MATLAB, I can now visualize it, you know, move around the layers interactively, um, like look at a graph that, it, you know, shows me, you know, a um, graph graph, like a matrix algebra graph, uh, like shows me all the potential um, challenges that I might have, you know, so even though I, I fluently go back and forth with, uh, AI problems. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll just use whatever I'm reading at the time or whatever makes sense. And, you know, I still will bring it into MATLAB for that last kind of phase of tweaking those parameters, visualizing, explaining, um, you know, again, because it just is is quite valuable in the, the tool and people are working on it all, all the time. Yeah, interesting. So I'm not as experienced with explainability um, as Ezra, but so what I would say about it is, uh, so first is I think you mentioned uh, this famous say from George Box is all models are wrong, some are useful. I've heard um, a text completion of it that says un under certain limits and conditions. And I think that's also what is important in engineering is understanding and in science as well, the limits and conditions of a model. Uh, mm -hmm. and that is something that you need to be very rigorous about. There's like a very important, lots of importance in the data uh, engineering, not just the model part of it, because like we all like to train model, that's fun and all. But uh, um, actually when you when you go to, to serious work, to do serious work with, with modeling and, and, and prediction, uh, you realize that you may end up spending more than 80% of your time on the data piece of it, not so much the training. And, um, and in order to put rigor into it, to make sure that you have qualitative results and that you can understand them, um, I would say my suggestion is testing, 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 test as much as you can. And as I mentioned it, we have pretty good tools around the validation and verification of um, systems like AI systems now, but used to be like code system, code-based system, mold-based system. Um, mm -hmm. So it is certainly, I think, just, just what I would say about it. Yeah. And definitely, like, you can call PyTest, you can call other, you know, frameworks yeah, yeah. from there, you know, so we see a lot of people kind of pulling it all together, you know, and we mentioned before about production, you know, you can take that Java code, the Python code, the whatever you want, uh, C, you know, CUDA, and, you know, put it into production server, like, hit a couple buttons and implement it pretty easily. There's an example already for you. You know, so I, I think it's awesome because it kind of brings together all those worlds of engineering. You know, there's so many different aspects of it. So it's kind of uh, perfect to bring all the different languages and uh, problems together. And I think um, a colleague of ours, Lucas, just released a new support package for validation and verification of AI systems. So I think if you want to, you know, share the link, uh, that'd be okay. definitely something good for the audience to look at. And it's such an important area, right? Because, you know, there's uh, verification, validation, those um, certification bodies that we were talking about. And this is such a fast moving world that, you know, the F equals MA skeptics are, uh, you know, we, we need to get them on board, right? <laughs> so there's constant work being done in the community. And of course, at MathWorks, you know, with our 
experts in testing and figuring out, you know, what actually needs to go into AI testing and especially for devices or for, you know, your application. This podcast is kindly sponsored by MathWorks, the leader in mathematical computing software. Engineers and scientists around the world use MATLAB and Simulink to build the next generation of AI-driven systems. From the cars and phones we use every day to breakthroughs in medical devices, digital health, green technology and space exploration. MathWorks is helping to accelerate the pace of AI discovery and innovation. Learn more at mathworks.com. Yeah, that makes sense. I would have a question about performance, but before that you mentioned expertise. Now, Jan mentioned ChatGPT. I was wondering because you, we talked about getting all this, buying basically all this expertise. You have all this knowledge from the MathWorks people who are super smart. <clears throat> so once ChatGPT becomes more smart, let's say we talk, think about ChatGPT 4, 5, 6 and so on. Do you think that people will still use Python and stay away from MATLAB because they have all this knowledge packed into this huge tool? So you can just, hey, build me this app for deployment for everything we mentioned before. Um, do you think there will be a major blocker or like for people saying, no, I'm not going to go with MATLAB because I have ChatGPT plus Python plus Julia, whatever. Um, so why would I spend a couple of thousand dollars on MATLAB? So what tells you that you want to have GPT like, with MATLAB first? It was like, um, Jan and I just spent two hours in a meeting earlier about ChatGPT and MATLAB. Um, so it's obviously, it's something that we're always thinking about how to enhance this. And like, for me, at least, I mean, maybe this is like a, this is a personal opinion, not necessarily a company opinion, but you know, the math knowledge is not there, right? And the, the big language models, this, like the large language models, it's just not. So that, that's one of the, the futures that I see where we could really provide a lot of um, resources where we have so much information about math and, you know, what is actually okay. You know, it's just like internet math is not, you know, like we, we need to help the train this model, you know? So I've been doing some experiments with like, you know, give me some MATLAB code, give me some MATLAB code pretending I pulled an all-nighter and I don't know anything or, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, things like that, like trying to see what the um, quality of the code is. So there's a lot of us doing research on, you know, what's being provided now, how we can help support this, how we can adapt and have sort of our Matt GPT. We'll give a link to that too, because uh, we're, we're getting there. Um, but I, I think there's a lot we can do with our, you know, mathematical encoding knowledge. Um, and I'll start. Last thing I'll say, uh, because Jan is relatively new, there's you know 45 years or so of MATLAB code out there. That's a lot, you know. Even though like, oh, okay, we'll we'll stop ChatGPT at you know this time. You know, people still professors still reference thing links from the 80s or whatever. You know, so. I think that's one of the big challenges for even Python code. You know, even for me, I'm like, I don't know the best way to do this. So if you're getting chat GPT, it's like, uh, using the best, most awesome, newest toolboxes or packages or something, because uh, otherwise there's just a sea of knowledge out there and some of it is good and some of it isn't. So, uh, yeah, we're working on it. Jan, sorry. Yeah. You, you have been experimenting a lot with this. Yeah, I quite like it, I have to admit. And um, I like, Yusef, that you're, you know, projecting kind of a longer term view in this conversation, because all of what we'll be saying now is going to be obsolete in, in one week, uh, very shortly. <laughs> of course, so, of course. It's important to kind of look a little ahead and think about, you know, what is it that we should be thinking about long term? And for me, like, again, I think, as I said, is uh, for now, it, it's not a, a company uh, position, but uh, m my personal vision is that, you know, just like in uh, Iron Man, it's probably 10 years old now, um, Jarvis, mm. this uh, uh, artificial yeah. intelligence that was helping uh, engineers develop system, that is definitely what I would envision uh, for us uh, because it's not just yeah. code, it's engineering. Super it's smart clippy. Super smart clippy. Super smart uh, clippy. Like I have cl clippy, clippy. Um, that clippy was annoying. Oh, super annoying. That's why so <laughs> we're going to train it better. And like, you have to ask for it. It's not just going to show up whenever you want. That's good. <laughs> and definitely, I think the same way, you know, right now we hear a lot about 
uh, ChatGPT plus Wolfram, for instance, um, the capability of adding uh, two large language models that are essentially just a clever statistical machine that just predicts the next uh, world from a just probabilistic point of view, um, then it doesn't have any you know first order vision of the world. And and again, like coming from you know a Cartesian. Uh, background, it's important for me to say, you know, all of the F equal MA uh, laws of nature that we know we've learned for centuries, right? So, so let's just not forget about it. It can complement so nicely this uh, uh, beautiful intelligence, whether it's an, uh, you know, AGI gen general intelligence or not, um, it could be very nicely complemented with tools such as MATLAB. Um, yeah. So I'm quite hopeful, you know, I'm, I won't commit to anything right here. But uh, I, I think uh, we have lots of interesting things to see. Yeah, we're excited. I think yeah, having sort of the knowledge of all the textbooks and all the things that people have used in research and stuff like that would be really amazing. And again, we're like thinking about like BioGPT, ChemGPT, MatGPT is the more general one that uh, Toshi just released. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really important um, to think of how we can all contribute to this world. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but by the way, shout out to Toshi at this point yeah. because he was building the MatGPT thing. He's amazing. <laughs> I don't know amazing. how he does it. Pretty cool guy. Um, we'll talk about performance very quickly. Um, obviously, there's also this counter argument of like MATLAB is not performant. I was remembering when I was implementing like a stability analysis of uh, plain Poisson flow back in university it was like 2D, which for me was okay. You could still implement it. It was performant. But then when you go through to 3D, maybe computation fluid dynamics, finite element analysis and whatnot, there's always this argument, well, MATLAB has a GUI, it's super slow, but MATLAB, I don't know since when, has GPU support, if I'm not mistaken. So how do you go against that argument saying, hey, MATLAB has a GUI, it's super slow? That's true. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Right, I left honestly. All, all GUIs are slow, right? Like yeah. you know, you could do anything from Vim. That's why I like Vim. Jan mentioned mm. it before because he's making fun of me. Uh, <laughs> but that's my IDE of choice because uh, there's no overhead ever. Um, but uh. but I think that actually kind of speaks to the application, right? So like whenever I am fiddling around with data and I'm clicking on stuff and I'm like, wow, like I love coding. I am dyslexic. I love code. I love how it's indented. I love to speak math, whatever, you know, so even chat GBT, I'm like, whatever, I, I, I want to code, you know? Um, so for me, you know, I love that kind of stuff. And I still, you know, and I know C++, Java, whatever, I still love MATLAB because I can click on it kind of like Excel, but I don't actually have to open Excel um, and try 8 million different plots you know, copy, paste, drag the code into my function or my class or package or whatever, like it kind of um, goes really well with your exploration. And so if part of that exploration is kind of with Python, that's that's fine too. Um, but anyway, the, the part that uh, I value, I guess, anyway, that, that, that's the IDE part that it doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't take that long. You click on it and it's like, Psh, whatever. Um, and if you have, you know, uh, code that is running long or whatever, uh, a lot of people don't realize you could literally say use parallel or like use GPU true. Um, so, and it actually does it like on its own too. So, you know, I was kind of spoiled, like I was in the lab and using like crappy old computers or whatever. Now I have a GPU and it's like everything is like super fast and slick, you know? So I, I think there's a kind of misconception that, you know, you're clicking around with things, you know, I, I guess everything's going to be slow if you're like, I don't know. I, I like the honesty though, like trying to get something else out of you. It's like, true. No, well, it's slow. It's slow. So. I mean, like it's slow. It's doing all kinds of awesome stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess we need to kind of differentiate in this conversation the, uh, MATLAB application from the MATLAB language, right? The, the, the GUI, the graphical user interface is one thing. And, and I mean, yeah, okay, it's an application. Uh, but then the language itself, then when we step into the language conversation, there's always one that is interesting about performance. Um, I would break it down into several uh, definitions and how to address things. So like, for, for instance, just the basic matrix laboratory is who we are, what we do is matrices. 
And so if you think in a vector way, then mm -hmm. you could have things that are vectorized that go much faster than just iterating yeah, right. on loops. And people like loop. I get it. I loop myself. I loop a lot. Sure. Right? You loop. can, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that is like the first big, big difference for me between MATLAB and Python, like a generic purpose programming language like Python. And I love it for this, what it is. But uh, when it comes to numerics, then I mean, like we're pretty good at it, right? We contribute to LAPAC. That is a foundation of all, you know, uh, numerics for everyone, everywhere. Like, pretty good at it. I mean, like, we've uh, kind of invented all of it. You know, he's still so on the mailing list. We're I think on it. this front, it's, you know, we're doing well. So on the optimization of programming as you would just write it, if you want to write loops, then we have all of the just-in-time compiling that is really, really performant, honestly. Uh, and so in this case, again, like you could compare it to number or other ways of doing just-in-time compiler uh, in Python. Uh, personally, it's more a matter of how you express yourself. I tend to just like, as I said, like to express myself maybe with, with MATLAB uh, when it comes to having performance uh, at this level. Um, and then, and then as, as I said, is then what matters most when you speak about performance is when you are in production. So when you're in production, you have a code that is very performant. You want to parallelize, then boom, we have a parallel server. We even have the parallel toolbox that can do that with leveraging just the different calls of your machine. Uh, as a GPU, if you have a GPU, it's just like, there are lots of options. So the performance right. thing, I'm like not going to take streaming it. Streaming <laughs> and <clears throat> like sort of the caching, yeah. you know, a lot of that is really, um, <laughs> pretty easy to do in my life. Like there's and, just, you know, click, click, click. And at the end of the day, if you want to generate C code and write C code, because C code That's is gonna- the like, fastest one. Compile code will never be like, it, you can never beat compile code. So, so you know, with any interpreted language, whether it's it's MATLAB, uh, Python, Julia, whatever, C code is just more performance. It's just it's the way it is. But then people would say, I could also use C Python. <laughs> exactly. Um, but also I think, I think that's where I like to differentiate where it's like, um, I'm going to a device, right. And like, gr granted, a lot of the, I, I, I advise other people, but you know, I'm talking about like a, you know, silly, uh, like Nvidia thing, you know, j just trying things out and, and playing around and making sure it works. Um, but that's where it's like, you know, you try to do this with C Python with certain models. It's like, ugh, has anyone done this before? You go through, you know, the forums and you look at the dates and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, this is like outdated. Like, what version do I even need? Oh my gosh, you know. So I guess that's that's where I kind of find the difference. Where you know when that actually matters. You know, the um, there's GPU coder, for example. Like I I tried this a couple of times for well, a backyard trail camera. To see it, to see whether they were bunnies or deer, okay? They're deer, all right? It's very important. Anyway, um, so I have it on a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> um, but so if, if I were to have done that entire thing in Python or even like CircuitPython or anything like that, it just, you know, I, I was able to test and, you know, try the algorithm and do all the data analysis stuff that Jan mentioned, you know, relabel the images, do all that kind of stuff in MATLAB. Um, you know, if I wanted to bring in a Python model, I could, and then I just like bust it out to see, and then it gives me an example for that, you know? Yeah. So whereas like, if I were to do that in circuit Python or C, I, so I, if I were to summarize what, what Ezra just said is I think, uh, uh, we mistake ourselves sometimes when we speak about performance, when in fact, you know, the the time that is spent on your GPU or CPU and your hardware is not as important as the engineering time. That honestly, for many of those conversations, I think we are having the wrong conversation. I think we should mm -hmm. optimize for uh, the human, not for the machine, because the machines are becoming pretty good at what they do, right? So, so now we need to optimize for human productivity, engineering productivity in particular. Um, and performance, I mean, like, we're, we're doing pretty well, honestly. Yeah, we got whole mm -hmm. teams dedicated. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, regarding AI, I think even MATLAB is not that slow when it comes to developing AI toolboxes. I think there was even a, the first Perceptron or something like that, the toolbox in 1992. 92, which, yeah, exactly. 92, which is pretty sick, actually. I was, I was looking it up, I was like, 92? That's, that's pretty yeah. old. 
Yeah. It's pretty cool. I, I insulted uh, most of our um, bosses <laughs> one time. I was like, does anyone have a screenshot from way back when, like way back in like the 90s, like when it was invented or whatever? I, it, I didn't mean to be insulting. Um, it was a compliment. Um, but, you know, we, we were doing the Coursera course and, you know, was talking about like, one of the big questions was like, when was the first neural network or when was the first machine learning algorithm? And it's like, depending on which mathematician, like ridiculously renowned mathematician you ask uh, in-house, it's like 1980, blah, blah, blah. We had binary trees. Like that was the first classification tree or like there's, you know, polynomial fitting from day one, you know? So, so these things have been around a very, very long time. Uh, it's, I think, now you know we're just seeing so many more people enabled uh with python with r with the rest of the community uh including matlab you know what but it's always funny people are like oh wow you do deep learning i'm like uh sort of was like invented like here <laughs> <laughs> you can even listen to uh what's his name joffrey Hinton at the last neurips he said guess what i use MATLAB. yeah That's yeah you know, not also doing uh, on only doing deep learning, but also reinforcement learning. A lot of people also don't know that, so it's pretty interesting what you guys are doing. Yeah, especially since reinforcement learning often deals with controls and you know making those decisions and doing things like it's just such a natural thing for MATLAB um, users and developers to think about. So uh, it's actually really excellent. We had I was at uh, Neural well, Neurips uh, recently in November, and our demo was this, you know, stick that was reinforcement yeah. learning itself, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it was a huge hit. I was like, wow, really? We were right beside TikTok. Like people were like dancing with like filters. Uh, but everyone was all about the reinforcement learning demo because I think, you know, again, it's it's such a uh, natural application for MATLAB users. Um, and, you know, it's it really exciting for other folks in the AI space to learn about. There's even a two hour free course that you can do right now for reinforcement learning. No. And also we will put in the description the links to the Coursera course because I think they're really, really good data analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that what it's about? Data is pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm going to put that all in the description to check that out. Um, let's say if I'm a business owner and I don't know if I want to go the MATLAB path, maybe join the dark side or go the Python route. Um, do you have kind of a decision tree kind of way worth that helps people basically decide, should I go one way or another? So what is important for me, let's, let's say as a business owner, or I want to solve a specific complex physical problem. Um, what do you recommend people to, to choose? Uh, Jan, do you want to speak to that first? So, so like a tick box where you say, okay, yeah. check, check. Okay. If the most I mean, if, if you own a business that develops engineered systems, then I would definitely advise you to look at um, our startups offering because they're really affordable. And honestly, like that, that is going to give you a head start into the competition. So, and this is all of what you need to think about, right? Like it's uh, your time is more valuable um, than, you know, just maybe the, I think it's 1500 bucks, honestly. Like 100, so 120 really, euros like a month. How can you get, how, how fast can you get to prototypes to actual demonstrator, uh, to demonstrate um, market fit with your product. Uh, this is what you should be focusing on. And um, honestly, well, I think that you could be considering MATLAB for that. Yeah, and uh, again, kind of um, speaking to what we talked about earlier, you know, if there's some certain model in, you know, the community that you're really interested in or whatever, like you can also bring that in too, you know? So I, I think, like Jan said, you know, when you wouldn't need to kind of get that serious application going from, you know, zero to production in a couple of weeks or, you know, and then you can iterate on it and bring in a whole bunch of different types of people with all different types of language. You know, that's that's really where I would reach to MATLAB, um, you know, again, just because of the focus on that uh, whole experience, realizing that a lot of users are doing this very thing and working on large systems and needing to go from one phase to the next. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying don't use Python. I, I love Python on myself. So yeah, it's so amazing. It is. Yeah. Especially like, you know, if you want to bring in some, some AI stuff in it, well, then why not? I mean, yeah. And there's a whole bunch of people that do that, right? Like there's, there's so many different ways that you could do that. Like you could call the Python, um, 
you know, interpreter, you could yeah. just do, you know, PyTorch, what is it, PyTorch model. Yeah, you can uh, import you know, PyTorch flows, import, you can import TensorFlow. Import TensorFlow, uh, import, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And people will do that for this very reason where it's much easier to like take a model from Python, then, you know, take that next step onto the device with MATLAB. You just click a couple buttons, get the test code and you're good. Uh, so yeah, we see a lot of different, you know, applications of AI back and forth. Yeah. Now that we talked about AI, I think it's a very fast moving technology. Now, if you look into the future of MathWorks, what do you guys plan? Of course, not giving away all the secrets, but like what is planned for uh, the company MathWorks in the future? Maybe uh, Jan, if you uh, want to talk about the vision we'll, or mission statement. We'll, we'll be fired, I think, if we say anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the purpose of the podcast. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, you know, I think from my perspective, at least the um, stuff that I've been working on, you know, it, it's really um, trying to bring access to MATLAB to people. You know, there's a lot of focus that requires a lot of, you know, business acumen and lots of people in conversations, but, you know, really bringing different levels of access up to MATLAB, you know, for literally anyone. Um, so that's a big focus. And, you know, we'll see more of that is just, you know, again, that focus on open source, focus on really enabling the community and engaging the community. So uh, at least, you know, Jan and I both work uh, very closely with the open source team at MathWorks, you know, we're really trying to get as much as possible out there on GitHub and Matt, you know, MATLAB Central and, you know, sharing information like that. Uh, and then again, from my perspective, a lot of the sort of explainability aspects where, you know, you're um, trying to understand your model, you're trying to understand your data and just getting information, really focusing on um, bringing this information to people. So, yeah, I would also say that there are a few mega trends that we are tracking for a few years now. And so this is just like the refinement of our long-term strategy, which is essentially, so looking, so AI is one very big trend. Cloud is another one where we need to also continue evolving our technology in the direction of being more cloud native, uh, which is mm -hmm. a very long-term investment we are making. Um, and and we see the need for this more and more, especially now with you know systems such as um, those AI assistants that would bring you um, inside of your environment, if in, if in your engineering um, environment, the relevant information at the right time. It, it's all about bringing this uh, to the user, this experience to the engineers, to the scientists where they are. Um, so we want to keep focusing on them. That is certainly, you know, our strategy is to keep on focusing on the engineers, on the scientists and bringing them the right uh, element. Now, I think some of it will have to do with um, generative AI, uh, with large language models. Um, they will necessarily uh, bring um, large, you know, transformation into our technologies um, as we will need to have more distributed systems um, the MATLAB front end will always be uh, the front door to the engineers. I, I still strongly believe that, you know, you'll still always use desktop software. Um, that is not going away, but then you have new things like code spaces where you want to be flexibly um, using pre-configured environments uh, in the cloud to get started, uh, to test your thing, to do virtual testing, right? Do all sorts of things that you may want to be doing as part of your engineering lifecycle. And, and all of it will be enhanced by AI. So... You know, I'm quite looking forward to where it yeah. would be concretely. And I, I think it's also nice to see how um, MathWorks has evolved to, you know, the, the, some of the things that Jan was talking about, you know, these um, CI integrations, all these things that pop up like every day, literally, you know, these are the things that we support on GitHub so that we can support these, you know, when they change and we can be a little bit more adaptive, um, you know, as opposed to the sort of six month cycle that you put in your hardware. Right. So, so I think that's also something that we'll see more of, you know, really kind of enhancing that community contributions and sort of uh, real time, you know, learning and adapting. So, so yes, yeah, it's, it's exciting yes. world. That's also, I think there's certainly kind of a call to action if we were to conclude on this uh, to the community, to the audiences saying, you know, you're part of this transformation. So tell us, tell us what it is that you think is going to be fueling your next engineering application, your next scientific application, because MathWorks is 
by nature, I think we are kind of a control system in a sense that we take feedback from the environment and we just process it and we just embed it into that's our DNA. So we kind of need uh, this connection with the ecosystem in order to build uh, this infrastructure for, for engineers. Exactly. That's super cool. We're almost approaching an hour of the recording. So before we go to the questions from Twitter, I would have one question. Jan mentioned AGI. So assuming AGI system will be live by the by next week, for example, what's the first question you ask an AGI system? So Heather, you go first. Oh my. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess, no, Jan, you go first. <laughs> well, I know that my, my personal I've question. already done a whole bunch, but <laughs> they're embarrassing. Um, I had kind of a philosophical one. It was, um, you know, are we in the metrics? Are, are we in a simulation? That's, that's <laughs> pretty deep. Sorry. Like that was my personal first question that I asked. That's a good one. That is a good one. I, uh, the first question I asked was, uh, to summarize a book chapter, uh, cause I'm leading a book club at work and I didn't read it. So I needed to <laughs> summarize a chapter for the book so I could like pretend. Um, okay. so I've been using it for very practical purposes, although Jan's is more, you know, existential philosophical, uh, you know, mine was quite useful. <laughs> I mean, I definitely wanted some help to, to write a, a book on, on MATLAB with Python. I, it's a shame that I had to, to write so many things myself before, before GPT, right? It's like some, somehow we will delineate the time, uh, in history before GPT. Yeah. Well, again, but again, you're still using 45 years of perhaps misinformed information if you're using ChatGPT. So, uh, you know, maybe it's okay that you're involved, Jan. Do you want to quickly talk about your book, Jan? When is it coming yeah. out? No pressure, by the way. Um, I think you have some stuff on GitHub already. That's yep. MATLAB with Python. So I just tried to compile all of the learnings that, you know, I came across. The first chapter is just like really... Uh, pragmatic end-to-end -end pro project that Ezer and I have been doing for ages now uh, with a simple weather uh, example. I quite love it still. Like, like, honestly, it's just really like good it. getting started. So, yeah. Everyone knows about weather and air quality yeah. and climate and things like that. Other, other examples we have is like, imagine you're trying to make your battery more efficient for, but yeah, weather is easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite nice. Awesome. So it's we're going to cover a couple of questions and then uh, we'll call it basically at the end of the podcast. Um, question number one, are there any performance issues running Python scripts in the background while running the main MATLAB script? Mm -hmm. Question number one. Who wants to take Interesting. That? So it gets directly into the nitty gritty of performance of co-execution. Um, so we've made it pretty transparent, honestly, like um, um, we have different modes of execution, not going to go into too many details on how it works, like, you know, same process by default, but then you can go into two processes and then you may have some overhead in passing data around. Uh, but generally, like if you can run in the same process, it's pretty good. It's working pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll say too that um, that's something since it's been out since like 2014, yeah. you know, the, the oh, teams very closely, you know, uh, compare mm -hmm. release to release. So if there's something that is not performant, let us know for sure. Um, but it should be very, very minimal overhead, especially if you're, you know, you are, you already opened MATLAB. <laughs> you already got the big one, all the IDE goodness uh, that you need. So it's super quick. And like the, the second you call or like you import something, you know, it's there. You know, a lot of people kind of get um, confused on whether they're importing stuff over and over again or, you know, how some of the stuff works in the background. But, you know, it's, it's quite quite good. Uh, and I'll say maybe this leads into another question that probably the most um, overhead people run into is the data type conversions and those decision making things, you know, mm -hmm. um, like that. Yeah, I think there was one question regarding data type conversion or precision, if I'm not mistaken, on Twitter. You want to take that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. do you want to do you want to start on just general d type conversion? And then yeah. I can kind of dig in there, there was like very specific mathematical precedence integer things so so more generically i think uh, we've made good progress over the couple of releases from 2020 to um, until now 2023 uh, 
to make it really seamless for you to pass the generic data types that you have in Python to MATLAB and also the other way around. So like, for instance, you would have a list or a dictionary in, Mat in Python. You can just pass them over to MATLAB. That's actually fairly easy now. Um, even with uh, NumPy arrays, passing NumPy arrays to MATLAB arrays, it's like, it's almost seamless. And I think uh, in terms of even performance and everything, it's, it's uh, it, I think it maps, it backs to the same memory. So it's like uh, very performant. Um, as for precision, like double, single digits, uh, floating point, I, I would leave it to as yeah. I like. <laughs> well, say that's, that's one of the things that people run into because like the default, like if you just type, you know, 42 in Python, like that's an integer, but in MATLAB, it's a double. And mostly because of like how sensitive um, MATLAB users are to precision of things, right? So um, we're not just gonna willy nilly like decide what integer you want, you know? So that's one of the things that people will, um, you know, wonder about like, well, hey, this is like a Python integer. What should I do in MATLAB? And it's like, well, there's, you know, you int, eight or 16 or signed integers and unsigned integers. Like we're, we're not just going to willy nilly do that because we're so sensitive to hardware. Right. So um, I, I think that's one of the things that to keep in mind, you know, those default underlying data types will convert pretty automatically like a char, right? Like they're, it's like C to C, you know, um, some of those like sort of quick, easy scalers, you know, we'll be able to uh, convert those automatically. But then when it comes down to like the more heterogeneous structures, um, you know, a lot of that is kind of left to the user because it's it's unclear how you exactly want to represent that in MATLAB or Python. You know, so that, that's just one kind of general thing kind of just to add on to what um, Jan said. And then, you know, again, just because of the super <laughs> precise way that we deal with precision. Um, I'll just say that I, I um, emailed the math team earlier to help address the Twitter question um, where, you know, integer, uh, their integer is being concatenated and it's, it's unsure what uh, value or what data type they're going to have. Uh, generally, MATLAB will set all elements of the resulting data to the data type of the leftmost element. So it's usually the the least precision and left. So if that helps, uh, and I have some links that we'll share. I'll, I'll share uh, Yusuf after oh. this that will help um, you know clarify some of this. Perfect. I think that was very in depth. Cool. Um, native app for Apple Silicon support of the GPU course on Apple Silicon question mark Simulink mobile question mark I would love to use it on my iPad with a pencil. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Sure. Let's do it. Um, so I think uh, Hans actually answered this or responded on Twitter. Um, there's there's a beta for um, Apple support. So again, we'll we'll add this to the uh, links that we provide. Thanks, yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of great work going on um, with Apple Silicon and MATLAB, uh, as well. Well. Sim you, it's possible to use Simulink mobile. There's like Simulink online now. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure about the future of Simulink mobile, like sort of like MATLAB mobile, where you're using the um, sensors and things like that from your phone. But we can pass that. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious to know what type of application they would have in mind to use uh, Simulink on an iPad or mobile. Uh, mobile would be pretty small. Uh, I don't know. I can. I'm, I'm, and maybe I'm it's like, sure what to right. Do. And like at this point, if you're trying to just run a simulation, you could actually do that in MATLAB mobile, just like by calling sim yeah. of your thing, yeah. you know? So, so it would be really interesting to learn, you know, if there's other stuff you want to do. And it's backed yeah. by MATLAB online. So like, I think in those types of scenario, if you have like decent model, then, then probably the, the processing, the simulation would be done uh, on MATLAB online. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, two last questions. Number one is bring back options of the OG log of scripts. I missed the background color change in the section you're working with. The autocomplete is so intrusive, I've worn out the escape key. I think regarding looks, I think you released, was it dark mode that you've recently? It's a beta. <laughs> it's a beta, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Secret, shh. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, because like we're just, there's constant work on this. 
Um, there should be some options in the like preferences to sort of go back to the defaults. Um, I just opened up MATLAB so I could look at it. Uh, but I believe there should be some like preference to not use like the code suggestions to, you know, use sort of the old school, the OG colors, if you will. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll try to send some links along for that too. Perfect. So if anyone listens or watches the podcast, we have a ton of links to go through. Sorry for that. Or like, you're welcome from a royal <laughs> perspective you're seeing yeah. it from. But yeah, cool. Sorry, and uh, last you. question. You're welcome. <laughs> All good. Last question is, um, this came in right before the podcast. Maybe you know what, what the guy means. Is MATLAB the reason AI is lagging behind? And with Python, would it have been a different story? So I'm not sure why MATLAB is maybe the reason AI is I, lagging I, behind. No. So <laughs> first, I don't, <laughs> I don't think AI is lagging behind. Honestly, seeing the pace of innovation right now, it's pretty intense. And and mm -hmm. honestly, like again, I mentioned Geoffrey Hinton, one of the inventor of all of this. We have to be thankful for all of the founding father, so to say, um, is using MATLAB in order to prototype his algorithm. So honestly, I, I don't think it's well-funded. Uh, I think it's misplaced anger and haters, which, you know, everyone has, that's fine. Um, and, and I think that what happens in AI is that, um, you know, do we, again, like we had so many ages of AI, I think there's going to be now a reset and there's a new age of AI coming. So, you know, watch out this for this space. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, again, kind of speaking to what we talked about before, you know, we had like some of the first AI ever <laughs> was in MATLAB. Right. And like now that it's becoming so, um, more access, so much more accessible to regular humans, to computer scientists, you know, the hardware is available, you know, more people are just every day, you know, contributing and everything. And I, and I think there is, like Jan said, there's this sort of perception that, you know, MATLAB is very slow. And that's because we have the six month, you know, cycle where like, again, we can't just like throw that model like on landing your plane, like, sorry, like I, we don't want you to die. We're going to, we're going to test it out first and like, we're going to make sure it's okay. You know, you can use the GitHub models. That's fine. Um, but you know, that, that sort of six month cycle is sort of what we're famous for. And you know, that that's the reason because, you know, people aren't just gonna take what was submitted last night and land their plane with it, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think there's a, a big balance that, you know, we're working with so many, active contributing members of the AI community and then those trying to implement it into their engineering projects. So yeah, it can lead to some misperceptions. Excellent. Guys, first of all, thank you so much. It was kind of a fanboy moment for me. Jan was always someone I was looking up to when I first uh, met him on LinkedIn. Heather, also you're like kind of a famous person in the MathWorks community. So, uh, MATLAB famous. Pre <laughs> <laughs> so pretty cool. And of course, if the people want, we can also talk about deep learning or reinforcement learning with someone else in the podcast. It would be super interesting. And make sure you follow Heather and Jan on social media. We'll also share these links in the description. Uh, any last words from you guys to maybe close the podcast session? Oh, thank you. This is a great conversation. Uh, I love that we're all sort of like MATLAB and Python fans. So we can kind of talk about this, like, you know, not, not versus it's all about the love. <laughs> Let's go. Jan, any last words from you? Well, thank you for having us, uh, Yusuf. I was really looking forward to that. And uh, I think it went out really well. So I'm looking forward to, you know, next conversations. Perfect. Guys, let us know in the comments how you like the podcast and um, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you.